You're listening to the Sportsman's Empire Podcast Network brought to you by Full Sneak Gear. Check out their entire lineup at fullsneakgear.com. Also be sure to check out our entire stable of podcasts at sportsmansempire.com. This episode of the Sportsman's Nation is brought to you by Outdoor Edge and their complete lineup of replaceable and fixed blade knives and game processing kits. Now, in my bag this year, I had the Razor Pro Saw Combo Kit. It comes in a very compact, handy carrying case, and one handle has the replaceable blade knife and the gutting blade. The other handle has the saw that comes with it. So, I use the saw to split the pelvis, and I use the gut hook to open up the cavity and the blade to start cutting all the stuff out, right? So uh, it makes cleaning a deer very simple, very easy, and the the knife is sharp. And uh, if you've ever had to gut a deer with a dull knife, we all know how much that sucks. So um, take a look at the Razor Pro Saw Combo Kit and uh, head on over to OutdoorEdge.com and enter the discount code NATION30. That's NATION30 for 30% savings on your purchase. This is the Nine Finger Chronicles podcast brought to you by Vortex Optics. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome back to another episode, and it is a mighty fine episode if you ask me. We kind of cover a little bit of everything. Uh, We talk about turkey hunting, we talk about fishing, we talk about elk hunting, we talk about whitetail hunting, we talk about mule deer hunting, we talk about Michigan, Nebraska, Iowa, Idaho, Montana, Wyoming, South Dakota, Missouri, and it's all kind of stuffed in to one podcast and it's real fast it's intense it's high pace and the guest today is none other than the man himself bob polanik out of michigan i don't know just a bs session ladies and gents i it's uh, i don't know i really don't know what to say it's a fun episode where we kind of talk about our 2021 plans uh how bob kind of wound out the 2020 season uh we talk about uh you know prepping for hunts that we're not sure we're gonna go on or not like uh my wyoming elk hunt i'm not 100 percent sure if i'm gonna draw i find out in may i think bob finds out in april what he's gonna be doing i find out in may what i'm gonna be doing and then those decisions right there kind of shift i could be hunting missouri for whitetails this year i could be going to doing what i did last year and going to south dakota multiple times i don't know i don't know we we will see and uh between now and then i gotta get ready i gotta shoot my bow i gotta prep i gotta save money i gotta do all those things that are important to the life of a diy uh, traveling hunter i guess you could say so it's a it's a really good episode now Uh, Real quick, if you're not following or subscribed to the Sportsman's Nation YouTube channel, do it because I might be dropping one of the greatest (laughs) walleye fish taco recipes that your eyes have ever seen. Uh, Move over Rachel Ray because this episode is going to make your mouth water. That sounded real cheesy. I don't care. Anyway, it's going to be a badass episode. I love street tacos. I love fish tacos. So why not take the walleye that I caught and turn them into fish tacos? Really awesome recipe. Make sure you guys check it out. That episode will launch Thursday morning, somewhere around 7 a.m. Central Time. And uh, while you're there watching that one, you might as well watch the meatloaf episode that I did uh, last week. So uh, two really good episodes coming out of the Nine Finger Kitchen. They call it the Nine finger kitchen because i only have nine fingers so that's some housekeeping we got to do a commercial uh some commercials here real quick wasp archery the best materials the best design and engineering uh made in america uh what else um sharp just deadly i mean I have been what I tell you, I'll, I'll just say this wasp archery using their broadheads, whether it's the, my, 
here's some of my favorites. The Boss 4-Blade, which I'm going to be shooting on my elk hunt. That's uh, a fixed blade, 4-Blade uh, broadhead. Or uh, this year when I killed my whitetail with the jackhammer. I feel confident using their products. And that's why I use their products. So Wasp Archery, go check them out, wasparchery.com. And you can enter the discount code 9 fingers 2020. I don't think it's changed yet. I think it's nine fingers 2020. Uh, hell, it could be nine fingers 2021. Give them both a try. Uh, and do me a favor if I'm ever preaching a discount code to you guys and it's not uh, like for some reason it's not working, don't give up. Reach out to me on Instagram or Facebook and I, I'll get you the, the most up-to-date one or the, the accurate one and then you guys can uh, get a discount on, on uh, some of the products. And then the second uh, commercial today is Vortex Optics. Now, check out Vortex Edge. Um, these guys, like just go to vortexoptics.com, do a little research about this new project that these guys are launching called Vortex Edge. And I think long story short, they want to make every hunter or firearm user more accurate, uh, educate them on a variety of different things. So vortexedge.com. And I mean, while you're on their website, you might as well take a look at some of the, the optics that these guys offer. These guys are the cream of the crop as far as um, optics are concerned spotting scopes binoculars range finders uh, rifle scopes red dots i mean you name it these guys are making it and they're making them really really good um, along with all the accessories that you need and honestly of all the things that they've come out with in um, uh, the last couple years i'm pretty excited to rock one of their uh, uh, tripods for my south dakota hunt or maybe even my elk hunt coming up so we will see what uh, what that brings, but vortexoptics.com, go take a look at all of the products that these guys offer. And at the same time, just know that these companies are, this company, particular Vortex, is giving back. They're, they're, they're not just selling products to the hunting community. They are giving back to the hunting community as well in a variety of different ways. So that's why I personally love uh uh, working with them, vortexoptics.com. Check them out. Check out Wasp. Check out Vortex. Those are the commercials. Thank you very much for listening to the commercials. Now, let's get into this uh, good old-fashioned BS session with my man, Bob Polanik. Three, two, one. Robert Mother Effin Polanik. <laughs> How are we doing, man? I'm doing good, man. I'm doing good. Is it Daniel... Da Keith Daniel Johnson? Keith Johnson, yes, Daniel Keith. There you go. Are, is uh, what is your middle name? I know it's not Mother Andrew. Effer. No, it could be. That'd be sweet <laughs> if it was. <laughs> Just uh. imagine <laughs> how awesome you would be growing up in a school if that was your middle name and everybody knew it, and like the teachers like even gave you the head nods in the hallway. Oh yeah, dude. That's like uh, I've, have you seen Horrible Bosses where. Uh, Jamie Fox, his name's Mother Effin Jones. <laughs> That's right. That's right. I forgot that movie. Oh, yeah. yeah. Uh, names. Cool. Names and names. Anyway, so um, uh, Michigan, still there? Anything cool happening right. in Michigan? Oh, dude, all I see is like you and your wife catching big steelhead. Yeah, I mean, that's – for the amount of pictures I've posted, I've gone fishing a lot more than what I've shown. Right. So it's not, like, that great of a success. But, yeah, there's there's some fish around. So All right. So I've, I've always – I'm always curious because I don't think I've ever asked you this. When steelhead fishing, is it just kind of like a bobber and a bait? Or is it lures or spinners? Or how, how do you actually catch the fish? Uh, me personally, yeah, we float, we run bobbers through holes. Um, there's all sorts of different methods. You could like, you could pitch Rapalas, um, you could fly fish for them, but no, I run like a bead or like a spawn bag under a bobber. Gotcha. So, and is that, yeah. uh, is that how most people do it? I mean, are they an, aggr yeah, are they an a, aggressive fish? A, yeah, they're very aggressive. Um, yeah, it's a, it's a very common way. Um, there's a, there's sections of rivers in Michigan that are flies only. So those guys will, uh, they'll fly fish. They'll just run like, they'll just tie like little fly patterns, little bugs 
and they'll run those and they catch them that way, which is very effective and very popular as well. But, um, I don't do a lot of that in the fly. I don't spend a lot of time in the fly water, uh, on the rivers that I fish and I just don't do a lot of fly fishing for steelhead. Yeah. I'll fly fish for other species, but yep. Yeah. What's, uh, what's the biggest steelhead you've ever caught? Uh, 17 pounds. It is my Facebook profile picture. Gotcha. uh, Is that big? Yeah, it's really big. Um, average size steel steelhead is like six to eight pounds. You start getting around 10. That's a pretty big fish. Um, the ones I just posted, like my wife, hers was like nine or 10 pounds and mine was 13 and a 13 pounder was, that's one of the bigger ones I've caught lately. So, so what's the, what's the biggest one, not that you've caught, but like, have you been around like a group of guys fishing and seen one pulled out? Like what's the record? What's, what's like, Oh my God, pants pooping big. Uh, it's 17 pounds. (laughs) Yeah. Oh, so that's the, that's Uh, the top tier. Yeah. You get above 15 pounds and that's a very rare that's a, that's a, it's a Boone and Crockett. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, yeah, you get around, you get up to 20 pound steelhead and that's a, probably a fish of a lifetime. Yeah. Um, yeah, it's anything above 20 is just, you're tapping on records. I don't, I don't know what the world record is, but yeah, it's, that's a big, that's a big steelhead. Yeah. So, so do they make their way out into the Great Lakes and then come back in every year or are they a homebody yep. in that, in that yep. area? They, they live in the Great Lakes, and then they're considered migratory fish. So, yep, they enter the rivers that feed into the Great Lakes, and they spawn in the Great Lakes. And then when they're done spawning, they return. You know, a good a portion of them do die, but um, a, a good amount of them do return, and they'll come back the next year and, and spawn. Gotcha. Do, but, you, do you eat them? Yeah, yeah. Not, not a lot. Depends on the river system. Some rivers have natural reproduction. Some rivers are stocked by the DNR. Um, the rivers that are stocked, if I catch fish out of those and I want to keep one, uh, that's probably where I'm going to keep a fish at. Just kind of like ethically speaking, it's the yeah. better way to do it. Yeah. Uh, your fisheries with your natural reproduction, I try to do catch and release only, but um, I'm not opposed to I'm not opposed to keeping fish. So I, I'll keep a lot more salmon than steelhead, just because once salmon spawn, they die. Yeah. Um, but steelhead, uh, try to be a little more respectful, I guess. And, uh, I'll keep one or two a year probably. Gotcha. Are they good? Yeah. They taste like salmon. Yeah. So they're delicious then. Mm -hmm. Awesome. Yeah. Actually the one my wife caught, we actually kept that one, um, because it it, like it fought till it's death. Basically I couldn't, I couldn't revive it. Um, it just kept floating belly up. It was like a 10 minute fight and it took her probably 200 yards downstream. It was, it was a lot of fun. And her, uh, her father-in-law was with us. So it was cool for him to see that whole, that whole thing. He doesn't do a lot of steelhead fishing. So, um, her, it, was a, it was a fun little day on the river. Her, is but, it her father-in-law, your dad? Ha! <laughs> nice. <laughs> nice. Like, on your toes. I just I, was like, What? <laughs> My father-in-law. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Father-in-law. <laughs> it's like, maybe, maybe there's some like resentment or something towards your dad where you don't even acknowledge him. You just it, only in, in, as uh, her father-in-law was there. He's yeah. a dick. <laughs> yeah. Can't stand my wife's father. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Known him all my life. Yeah. My whole life. He's been a dick the, my, his whole life. So, uh-huh. <laughs> um, all right. So. What else? What else have you been doing other than doing what we all are doing, like daydreaming about big game out west and and whitetails? Right. right. I've been doing some shed hunting, but we like where I'm at in northern Michigan. We just lost our snow like last week, yeah. so I haven't been able to get out a ton. On top of that, northern Michigan is just tough, man. There's yeah. just not a lot of a lot of bucks, a lot of big bucks around. You're always looking for just like spikes and forkies and stuff, um, and then. Yeah, at work. I actually got a promotion at work, so I've actually been working a lot more than what I'd like to. Um, a promotion? I got a promotion. I'm an area manager now. Gosh dang, dude. You're moving yep. up in the world. Yeah, I guess. Now, so. so so sometimes, guys like us, right, a promotion, I guess it can be a good thing for most people. But 
like for me, when I uh, took a new job in, you know, uh, like I had a pretty cozy job. And then I, 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 I guess if you want to call it, took a promotion, they gave me the job. I had to apply for it, but because they laid off all the other department, I was like, I was in, you know what I mean? So, so, uh, they gave me this new job and I was just like, uh, like more responsibility. Does that also come with more time off? And they're like, Oh, you know what? No, it doesn't. And so I was like, Oh, so now I'm just working harder. Yeah. (laughs) And that's, that's it. Right. Yeah. I, uh, I, so this, this promotion, so we're, we're based out of like West Michigan Mm -hmm. and, uh, where I work in Northern Michigan and we're just like, we're kind of expanding up here. So my boss, he's a regional manager and this area doesn't have an area manager and he just got, he's sick and tired of always driving like two or three hours to come up here. Yeah. And, uh, so they created this position and they asked me if I wanted it probably about six, seven months ago. And that's like, that's bow season, right? Right. So I was like, no, I'm good. <laughs> I'm good. I kind of didn't really see the need for it up here. I was like, maybe if I just do a little bit more, like we just won't need this area manager position. Yeah. And, uh, they called me back. My boss called me like two months later and he's like, well, we just interviewed someone. We weren't really impressed with her. Blah, blah, blah. Just wanted to float the position by you one more time. And I was like, uh, yeah, I'll, I'll take it. I don't need, I don't need a new boss yeah. that, that is not going to be okay with my scheduling. Right. <laughs> <laughs> my current... <laughs> The reasoning behind all this is awesome. Oh, yeah. My current (laughs) boss is, like, pretty on board with just knowing that I'm kind of unavailable in, like, September and November. Yeah. And uh, he's pretty respectful of my time off. And he lets me, like, make my own schedule, and I don't really have to run a lot by him. And I was like, hell no, am I going to let someone come in here and mess that all up? So So now do you have to hire the new position, or are you going to be that guy that that you were and the the area manager. Yeah, right now I'm both. I've got a couple guys kind of working their way into the position, but uh, as so I was a project manager, so I've got a couple guys kind of training. So, yeah. um, so b- my plan is by the time I don't know late summer rolls around, I'll have a replacement identified and should be good to go for bow season. Yeah, man, I tell so. you what, you start getting into that management positions and are i i take it there's going to be a little bit more driving around uh, in this position oh yeah yeah yep right and you're basically doing what managers do and is it's not actually working it's just like following up on the work that other people are doing it exactly right. and it's a lot of just like scheduling client relations stuff like that yeah, yeah. so but uh, like what's... you said it gets me it gets me I'm driving around a lot more, but a couple of my projects are by some like farms that I hunt. So I've kind of been able to, I'll go visit that project for the day and then I'll like, I'll just bail out like an hour early and go shed hunting or once once fall comes, I'll be able to go bow hunting. Yeah. So, yeah. yeah. Are you going to, are you going to work the system? Are you going to play the system and and be like, Hey man, uh, this day I'm over here. And then you tell the other uh, group, Hey, this day I'm over here. And then they each think that you're at another location when in all actuality, you're in a tree stand somewhere. Uh, It's risky. It's risky. I won't go. I won't go that far. I've been with my company for 14 years. So I can't, I can't do that. Okay. What I will do is I will look ahead at the forecast and say, oh, there's a cold front coming. Hey, bud, I'm going to come visit you because I want to bow hunt that night, the property by your project. Right. I got so, you. Yeah. You know, yeah. there's, there's all these little benefits to being in charge. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. Like for me, I'm in charge of the Sportsman's Nation and the Nine Finger Chronicles, which means that uh, I am actually in charge of zero people. <laughs> nobody does my job uh and uh so i get to do whatever i want to do whenever i want to do it but there really is no vacation days because the network goes every single day so if i'm on a trip i got to do two weeks worth of work in one week which sucks but it is what it is i mean i give you a lot of credit for what you do i mean that's you have a lot of self-motivation self-organization to keep this thing going the way you have and i get it it's your it's your livelihood, but, uh, I'll tell you, I would like, I would like to think I'd be able to do it, but I just don't think that I think I'd fall off after a few months. Yeah. I don't know. So once you realize when it comes to like, I'll tell you this, 
I know that the harder I work and the more that I work, the more money my business makes or the more, the better my business performs. Right. So I see the direct cause and effect of the amount of time and energy I put into the business, which is awesome. And there are two things right now that keep me motivated. I have a map hanging next to my desk and it's of my main farm here in Iowa that I have access to hunt. And I look, every time I get frustrated, I look at that thing and I, I just think of late October and November and the time that I'm going to be spending there. And it makes me want to work harder right now. You know what I mean? So, mm-hmm. and then the other one is just the thought of the Western hunts, right? And right now, just on the top of my mind is mule deer. For some reason, I want to kill a mule deer so bad, I can taste it. Like, I, I don't, it's like I've been beat three times and now I want to go out and do it again. And just like, I don't know. I, it, it's just, it's there. I, uh, I love that about you. You have definitely, since I've known you, it's been going on about, I think I just had something pop up on my Facebook memories about two years ago. I joined on with the Sportsman's Nation with Hybrid Outdoors, and uh, although I'm not doing a real good job at fulfilling <laughs> my commitments, <laughs> but uh, but uh, no, man, uh, you've had the mule deer itch going oh, strong for a while, and I, I admire that. Yeah, it's one of those things where, you know, and I don't know about you, but this year has been different because I've had some more expenses, um, not only in the business. It sucks today. So my, my computer upstairs that I do a majority of my work on is eight years old, and the processing is just slow as balls, and the Wi-Fi is slow. It's just like everything about this computer is slow. It's It's full of all, you know, just eight years worth of stuff and I've even cleaned it out and it's just everything's slow. So today I had to do something. It's kind of cool buying a new computer and some stuff, but I went to a Best Buy and spent three grand on a new computer. And I'm just like, I, 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 I didn't want to do it, but I knew that it would benefit me and my time and my business if I went and got this new laptop. And as I'm paying for it, I'm just like, you know how many tags I could buy? <laughs> like, you, know, uh-huh. you know how many other places I could go this year on $3,000? I mean, like, that's like, what do you think you could do? I, I, I could go to four different states for three grand, probably. Right. And hunt three different, right. like, whether it's mule deer or just over-the-counter whitetail tags, Missouri, Nebraska, whatever, right? And, yeah. oh, I just, I, that's how I, that's how I, I think, like, I don't think in dollars. I think of hunts, and uh, I don't know. It's nuts, man. But but well, uh, gotta gotta spend money to make money. Yeah, it's, I a, guess. it's a business expense, man. It is. It is, and it's always good knowing that I don't have to really pay taxes on. I you know I get to write it off because of yep. you know owning a business. So right. All right. So I do want to talk about like elaborate on some of this mule deer and elk stuff that we got coming up, but. You know, it is turkey season or coming up on turkey season. What's uh, what is uh, Michigan's opener for turkey? April seventeenth. Okay, so yeah, it's roughly the same time as Iowa's. I think we have a a youth season that is one week before. Then we have a a first season uh, that's like a first season shotgun, second season shotgun, third season, fourth season. But then that during that whole period of time, you can you can use your bow, right? There's, there's only one bow season and then the shotgun seasons are divvied up into whenever you want to go out and, and shoot, you know, whatever your schedule is. So how, like, how into turkey hunting are you? Uh, one out of 10. One out of 10. Okay. <laughs> if, yeah. Right. So I enjoy turkey hunting, but I only turkey hunt because there's nothing there. It's like, I want to hunt, but you can't hunt whitetails or any, anything else all year round. Like I don't get, I get jacked up when I'm playing the game with them, you know, when I'm, you know, calling at them, doing this, getting outside and love that. But as far as I don't lose sleep thinking of strategy on how to shoot a turkey. (laughs) Right. Right. Exactly. How how long have you been turkey hunting? Uh, three, three years. Well, that's that's, it. I mean, yeah, not much, man. I've only shot one Jake, and uh, it was a it was a quick double up. Uh, we, my buddy and I have uh, we don't have it on video. The video camera was rolling, but it was one of those 
blasted Jake in the face with a shotgun, passed the shotgun, and blasted another Jake <laughs> with the shotgun. And on the video, 10 seconds goes by in between shots. So, boom. But, and I was, boom. I was with my, <laughs> pardon me? Boom, boom. Yeah. I was with my buddy that's super into it. Yeah. Um, so he was all fired up. And he, I mean, he's shot plenty of nice times. And uh, he just didn't really care that year about, yeah blowing his tag on a jake so he just thought it was he thought it'd be funny to double up like that so yeah but yeah i don't know man i i just i love turkey hunting and i've killed plenty of birds throughout however long i've been turkey hunting it's but it's just something about i don't know i think i'm going to have a whole different perspective of it this year though because my goal is to take my daughter out with me and she's okay. going to come out. She's going to sit between my legs while I call. And, you know, I'm going to have the shotgun on my knee. And, you know, I'll, you know, the goal is, hey, okay, plug your ears. You know, here I go. Boom. And just like, you know, do the whole, have her come through the whole process with me. The, you know, the waking up early, the getting out there, you know, getting some birds to gobble off the roost, trying to, you know, play the chess match with them, uh, you know, get, get one in front of me. And I only really have one goal, and that is, I want her to experience a couple things. One, ha- hear a gobble, uh, and and I would love it if it was fairly close, right? Two would be to see one strut, and you know to see him blow up, and and she's seen him at a distance before, and she's heard one gobble before, but it was from the truck, so it wasn't like in the environment, if that makes sense. Yep, yep. So, uh, yeah, I mean, if I was going by myself. I would just, you know, I, I coffee, I'd have, probably have coffee with me, eat, you know, just like you do it so many times. And I have a couple spots that, and you know, last year was, uh, I didn't, I didn't shoot a bird. I had my kids with me two days. And then the third day that I went out, uh, it was raining. So that I only went hunting three days or three times last year, but this year has just kind of been, I'm excited to get out and go through the whole process again. And hopefully I can uh, get one down with my daughter. Does your wife go with you? Uh, I think, I mean, kind of, yeah, I'll go with her. She's got, she's going to get a tag for Northern Michigan. I'm getting the early season tag for, for Southern Michigan. My buddy's got a, uh, He's got a couple different farms that he just bought an 80 acre farm. Then he's got a couple of small leases and he's got a big group of guys coming down to his house for that opening weekend. And we're, yeah, that's the main reason. That's probably the only time I'll really turkey hunt and, uh, I'll probably go at it with my bow, but we, uh, we scouted his property real quick. He just bought it and we found a a spot where there's a ton of turkey dropping. So we kind of know where they're roosting and he'll keep, he'll keep tabs on them. So, yeah, but, uh, I like, it's just more of an enjoyable experience getting out, you know, kind of putting your camo on, feeling cool. Yeah. Getting out there with your bow and whatnot. So it's just, uh, yeah, I, I, it's, it's just relaxing. Like you said, you're not, uh, you're not losing any sleep over it. Right. Um, I'll tell you this though, when I, I've never killed a turkey with a bow and it's a goal, it's a goal of mine to do that at some point, but I don't know. I, I never, I've never practiced or, you know, gotten my, like, I've never, ever, I shouldn't say never, ever. I've hunted out of a blind for turkeys a couple times, like maybe two seasons when I, I brought my wife with me. But the other times I've been out hunting, like how I was taught how to hunt was like with a shotgun, no blind, lean up against a tree and you're just moving like all day you're moving you're moving you're moving oh, the turkeys quit over here let's go find one over here call okay we located one let's go you know just like and play that game with them all day try to get one to gobble move in on them and so I, like when i first learned to turkey hunt you know we had hundreds and hundreds of acres of river bottom ground that we had access to some of it was even on public and we could move around all day long from sun up to sundown chasing these birds and wherever they went, we could counter them or we could go find a new, you know, Tom or whatever. And that's how I, that's how I was, uh, uh, you know, raised or, or, uh, that's how I was taught to turkey hunt. And I, I tried that with a bow before and it's not easy. You can't do the same thing with a bow that you can with a shotgun. Right. So I don't know. Um, 
So that's turkey hunting. <laughs> like, I feel like <laughs> I feel like I should talk about turkeys because you know, f- as far as the content for the podcast is concerned, like, all right, what's relatable right now? It's turkey hunting. That's going to get the most downloads. But I just and, and I'm going to, but I just me personally, I just can't get as excited about it as other people. Yeah, I I mean, and I'm right there with you. I'm not a big turkey guy, but. To- the way that you just explained it, that actually sounds like a lot of fun. I mean, borderline sounds like elk hunting, which I've, yeah. I've heard a lot of guys kind of say the same thing. Um, yeah, I will most likely be either posted up against a tree or in a blind just because I am going to try to shoot them with a bow. But, um, yeah, man. I know the other thing is I think I think Nebraska is open right now. Yeah. I'm not 100%, 100% sure of that. I'm actually going there on – leaving Wednesday, going there Thursday to shed hunt. And the the guy I stay with out there, he's like, you know, it's turkey season, right? And I was like, uh, not even going to bother with it, man. Oh, dude. So, Come on. Just go, like, go shed hunting. You could probably shed hunt with a shotgun on your back. Yeah. And call while you're yeah, shed hunting. Sure. And then if you hear a gobble, kill one. Yeah, probably could. Good. Pro- probably won't. <laughs> 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 Yeah, dude. No, I, we're my buddy and I are going out there with our wives, so I got you. We're just it's not going to be anything too crazy. So we just it's more it's scout it's shed hunting and scouting. So I got we've you. never been able to do a uh, a spring scouting trip out there, and we've always really wanted to. We we were going to go two years ago, but it flooded. Yep. And then um, we were going to go last year, but then COVID hit. So right. But uh, no, we're we're good to go this year, and uh, we're going to shed hunt nebraska for a day and then we're going to shut down iowa for two days and uh i'm really excited about iowa because my wife is planning on drawing her tag there this year so um this is a good transition too yeah so when when you said uh you've gone mule deer hunting three years and you haven't killed one my thought is i've hunted iowa for two years haven't killed one so I'm going to throw my wife into the shooter seat and just be like, how about you get it done? Yeah. <laughs> so, Cause I clearly can't. Well, how pissed but, are you going to be if that deer that everybody talks about, you know, like Iowa has these big bucks just doesn't show up the two years that you hunt and then shows up the year that, uh, that she, she's there. I'd be stoked for her. And uh, the other thing is the last, so I went to Iowa in 2018 and 2020 and both times that we went, we went more so like that second to third week of November. Right. And I have so much trail camera data of the first 10 days of November that are just, there's so much daylight movement and both years we just missed it all. And yeah. so we're going to go, we're going to go there uh, in early November this year. And I, I mean, I'm going to film her and I'm going to be just as Jack sitting in a tree watching yeah. big bucks, you know. Uh, through a through a camera um and, and i'll be stoked if she shoots one it'd be awesome yeah so I, I i don't really care i mean the rut let's let's just say for some reason i couldn't hunt right i couldn't bring my my bow in the tree with me and hunt like i don't know if i i mean i would still be in a tree during the rut at some point it is it is take the hunting aspect out of it it is the coolest thing in the world to watch the the rut especially a really fun rut day you know what i mean oh yeah totally agree i mean and if you're not hunting there's no pressure no pressure no you just get to sit back and enjoy it yeah so yeah man that'd be awesome man um it's 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 the same thing with elk hunting i've gone elk hunting i don't know six times but only three of them i've had a tag like i love just to go during the rut you just you're going to see things that nobody else has ever seen. Yeah. So it's just amazing. Yeah. All right. But you, the last time we talked was like sometime in December and you went back to Iowa for a late season hunt to try to give it one last shot in, you know, at Iowa glory, so to speak. What, uh, what happened in those last couple uh, days that you were out in Iowa? A whole lot of nothing. So, Any, anything. Anything yeah. at all. I saw, I saw 
a buck that shed his antlers. I actually, oh, no shit. <laughs> I actually drew, I drew on him. He was at 10 yards. I drew on him. I knew he shed his antlers and I saw him from a hundred yards out and I drew on him and he was at 10 yards. And I was like, what, what are you doing? Why are you trying to shoot a, shed a buck, buck that already shed its antlers? You have no idea what buck this is. Like it could be a really nice buck. You have no idea. And uh, so I, I ended up not, I ended up passing on him, but uh, I saw a few other, few does and some scrub bucks but yeah it uh it was pretty bad my buddy never saw a deer oh hunted for four days he never saw a deer yeah so we put on a lot of miles and we definitely found where like there's plenty of deer sign but dude, man they just weren't moving and from everything we heard from the landowners that place got ransacked during gun season oh yeah so yeah yeah but uh check some cameras while we were out there and then we left some cameras too but there's definitely um, two of the main bucks I was after, they were still alive in January. So that was oh, cool. Nice. Nice. And then, um, we did drop off a bunch of like smoked venison sausage and hot sticks to all the landowners. And uh, that, that went, so that went further than I ever thought it would. Oh, yeah. They were so, they were so appreciative and they invited us back and everything. So that was, uh, that was a big win right there. Yeah. So I tell you what, man, um, you're out, you're out there in Western Iowa, uh, and that is a. I mean, all of Iowa's good, but what I will say is it's not around big city centers, or um, the higher population of Iowa is in the central around Des Moines, and then the rest right. of it is in the eastern side of the state, where I yep. live, and uh, so out west, I feel like you could still get. There's a good chance you could get permission to. You know, by knocking on doors, but I'm telling you, the rest of the state, like anything below Interstate 80, is probably leased up, and anything, you know, uh, over where I'm at, it, they have other people who already hunt it. So I went out and knocked on doors the other day for, I knocked on four doors, and uh, two of them said no, and the other two weren't home. So I was kind of uh, there's still a little hope for me to pick up these other farms, but. You know, I start to, you start to dig into what they're like, Hey, I'm just kind of curious. Do you allow bow hunting on your, yeah, we already got a guy who does that. I'm like, Oh, okay. So when people say that my, Oh, my rebuttal is, so he hunts, does he hunt the whole, the whole archery season? And then they're like, uh, uh, yeah, he's out here quite a bit. And you know, I've, I already know through driving around the area during the hunting season that there's nobody that hunts these farms and these farmers don't know who's in there, who's not. And I don't right. like, right. so that's my first attempt. So I'll give it like two or three years of really working on them to try to gain access to it. Um, uh, you know, like this time of year was perfect because a couple of them I asked, you know, Hey, can I shed hunt? And they're like, yeah, we, uh, we got, uh, you know, we got other people who do that. I'm like, what about bow hunting? You know, yeah, we got somebody who does that. You know, I'm just like, okay, all right. Well, you know, maybe they do. Right. But just driving around, I'm not seeing any action any anybody doing right. anything on their farm. So, um, you know, just got to get to know them better. Right. And it takes, sometimes yeah. it takes multiple, multiple years and, and you're, you are right. Like I can remember the first time I dropped off, uh, some ground venison up at, uh, the farmer's house that I, I, I hunt and this guy's blown away. He's like, I can't believe this. Thank you very much. Like, I appreciate this. He's like, now we won't eat it because we, <laughs> because we raise beef, <laughs> but, uh, I really appreciate this. <laughs> yeah. He's like, I'm going to give it to somebody at my church. So I'm nice. like, okay, well, Hey, and now I, think, I, I still hunt that farm. Yeah. I, I think it's, it's mainly the gesture. Yep. So you're not, they don't feel like you're just using them. So, yeah. and we also, we, we try to communicate with them. We'll let them know what we're seeing. We'll, we'll show like our appreciation and just like our awe for the size of the deer that are around and just like talk about their property with them for a little bit. Some of them will drop off a case of beer too, or something like that. And then, uh, the other thing, so as far as like getting permission, the other thing that's helped us a lot is we've gotten permission. Like if you get permission on one piece of property, um, where we do contact the neighbors, we start off with, Hey, we hunt so-and-so's property, like your neighbor. And like, so we're already kind of like letting them, you know, like, Hey, we're yeah. here, we're in the area. It butts up to your land. Do you care if 
we at least, if we shoot something, we retrieve it, and then we see where that conversation goes, yeah. and then we kind of see if it's going to be a, get get a feeling for if they're going to allow oh, yeah. hunting pressure, a hunting or not. So, yeah. have you ever you know, run into this? Like, I asked the question on Facebook once, where you know, for me, I knock on a door, and uh, the the farmer is like, "Well, I." Uh, I already got a guy on here, but I don't think it should be a big problem, right? And once you find out there's other people, uh, some people kind of get upset when you continue to pursue a, a farm that already has another hunter on it, and you, I don't know, like, like what, what are your thoughts on that? Like, if there's another far, uh, hunter on a farm, do you still pursue it, or do you back off? Well, with these farms, I'm only going to be there for a week. Yeah. So I pursue it. Yeah. Uh, a couple of reasons. One, uh, it's Iowa. It's an expensive tag. I'm only going to be there for a week. I'm trying to kill a four-year-old buck or better, uh, which probably isn't going to happen, especially with my past results. So I pursue it. Yeah. Um, I have yet to there's, – there's actually one farm that we hunt. It's 500 acres, and the guy's got his nephew hunted as well. And we've met his nephew, and we actually call him the asset because he runs cameras. He unpromptly just sends us photos of huge deer. <laughs> and he's always like, if you guys shoot one and need help tracking it or you need to hang it in my shed or put it in my freezer, like he's our age and he's super nice. So yeah. we, we've just kind of shared information back with him. I mean, I don't show him, I don't send him photos of like the top 10% bucks, you know, the big right. ones, but, uh, definitely show him some nice ones, send him photos that I'm getting stuff like that. But, yeah. um, I don't know. That's the other thing is big ones are hard to kill. So I've kind of always thought that if everyone's on the same page and you can share some information, uh, it might, it might make that hunt. It might make getting on that deer a little easier. Yeah. You just don't know what information they have. Yeah. So. Yeah. 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 As far as your original, as far as your original question here in the state of Michigan, if I was hunting a farm, if I was trying to get permission to farm and I knew somebody was hunting it, I'd probably just have to talk to that hunter Yeah. and get a, get a feeling from them. Yeah. If they're not too serious about it, I'd probably go with it. But if they're yeah. all mad, I don't know. I don't want to, I don't want to, I wouldn't want someone to do that to me. Yeah. So, so there are two things I can remember two things that kind of happened. Um, one, I, uh, like I got in on a piece of property and the way I look at it is this, is I, I knock on the door, I get permission and I come to find out there's some other hunters who are hunting there. And I say to myself, well, if the farmer feels that there's enough room for another person, then there's enough room for another person. I'm not going to go out and purposely ruin these guys hunts, right? I'll hunt around them, right? If they're, yep. if they're yep. already that, out there, I'm not going in. Um, and then, you know, there are some, you know, there are some instances where on this, my, the main farm that I have, uh, um, where I do most of my rut hunting, I've, you know, I've had a guy come up to me and I was, I was out there first. He drove his four wheeler by my truck down the two track where all the scrapes were at right in front of my tree stand. And then, so I, I walked up to him after the hunt and I was like, Hey man, uh, just wanted to let you know, you know, you, you drove right by me and you drove right by my truck you saw that i was out there he's like i don't care i've been hunting here 20 some years uh there's no way i'm gonna respect you know like basically he was saying there's no way i'm gonna respect and at that point i just changed you know there's no communicating with someone like that no no no, exactly so i just was like okay i'm staying away i'm gonna stay away from from this guy and it's the same guy who go, you know, does all that. He's very intrusive in his access and he, he's driving four wheelers and he's doing all that. Now, sometimes a four wheeler or a truck or a tractor has no impact at all, but how he's doing it and he's leaving the four wheeler out in the, in the field and then he's walking into the timber and all this stuff. And, uh, he's like, yeah, I don't even know why I hunt this farm anymore. Maybe he's trying to trick me. He was trying to trick me and say, ah, oh, there's nothing out here, but just the first year that I hunted that farm, I knew what was running around. So he was either playing dumb or he just sucked at hunting because like even setting up in some of these spots, you're going to see that there's big deer on the farm, right? Just, just from your binoculars. And so, uh, so I just learned to stay away from that guy while other places I've, you know, 
communicated with them and said, hey, okay, where are you going to be? What are you doing? Uh, I'll, you know, I'll go hunt other places and, uh, you know, and, and make it work because the last thing, and this, here's another example. So I get, I get permission on a prime piece. And I, I think I talked to you guys or talked to you about this a while ago, like in 2017, I think it was, I got access to this, um, piece of property that was prime like just i walked in one day and every overhanging branch had a scrape underneath of it and that's not uh, i'm 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 dead serious every overhanging branch walking and you know how you have a gut feeling walking to your tree stand you're like oh my god i'm gonna see something tonight something is gonna something's happening tonight and so anyway on that farm i go and i set up a couple times and then i i the, guy, the farmer tells me, I there should be no other people on this farm. You're the only person to hunt that should be on it. And I'm like, great. Okay, cool. So I, um, I go. I, I get the permission. I run into another hunter out there. And I go, hey, man. Um, and he didn't try to run or hide or anything. It, it was a, a tree stand. And I see him out there. And he's like, uh, hey, man. Um, what are you doing out here? I said, Hey man, I just got permission from the landowner. Uh, he told me I could hunt out there. He also said that you didn't, um, uh, he also told me that there, there should be no other hunters out here. So you might want to go check in with him. I didn't try to rat him out or anything like that. I just was like, Hey man, you might want to go and, you know, contact the, the landowner. Cause he doesn't know that you're out here. And so what happens was, um, this guy calls the landowner and the landowner didn't know that he was out there. So he's like, all right, that's it. Nobody hunts. Yeah. Nobody, nobody's hunting. And now that guy was pissed at me because I ruined a good thing for him. But he got permission under the father. And now the son uh, was in charge of the ground. And he never he never went up and, and talked to the, the son about it. So he was backdooring this property through a different property for... I, I don't know how many years. And finally someone else came out there, which is inevitable. I, I feel, especially in that area in the state of Iowa. And it was just one of those things where it's like, uh, dude, I, if he, if he asked me, I'm not going to lie to him. I'm going to tell him there's other people out there. Right. Cause I don't want to, I don't want to get in trouble. So anyway, that year I shot a buck off of it. And, uh, but then at the end of it, both me and that other guy lost access to it because the, the landowner was like, you know what? Screw it. I'm, I'm, I don't, I don't want to deal with it. I don't want right. to have to deal with it. My, me and my son are going to shotgun hunt it and then there won't be any bow hunters on it. So, Hey, what it is, what it is. And that, that sucks too. So. Yeah. My, my Nebraska fire, my hunt, it's owned by two brothers and the brothers don't get along. Right? <laughs> that sucks. <laughs> yeah. Oh yeah, it does. Uh, nobody really hunts it. Um, and I have permission from one brother. Well, there was, I don't know, this is like three or four years ago. I was out there. I was up in my tree and uh, I saw a guy coming out and I was like, ah, it had a crossbow. And I was like, all right, well, he couldn't figure out how to cock his crossbow. He's out in this cut bean field. Couldn't figure out how to cock his crossbow. He gets it cocked and then he just shoots an arrow out into the middle of the bean field. And this, mind you, this is maybe an hour and a half before it gets dark. So I'm just sitting there like, and he's probably a hundred yards away from me. He has no idea I'm there. And I'm like, this hunt is just absolutely ruined. And he gets in his tree stand and he's not even set up. I don't even know if he had his crossbow pulled up to him, but he just nails the rattling antlers. And I'm like, okay, that's one way of doing it. (laughs) And then launching crossbow bolts into a bean field, then rattling right when you get to the tree. Yeah, and then, so now it's like an hour before it's dark out, and he's rattling every five minutes, oh, and geez. I was like, and he's never seen it, he hasn't seen me. Well, finally, finally he sees me, I see him put his binos up, and I see him scan over, and he sees me up in the tree, and I kind of waved a little bit. Well, he gets down 20 minutes before it's dark out, and he comes up to the bottom of my tree, and he doesn't even, like, whisper, like, hey, man, like, yeah. Who are you? Whatever. He's talking like in this full loud voice. And it's, it's like November 2nd prime time right before it gets dark out. And I was like, yeah. uh, yeah, dude. I was like, you mind lowering your voice? I'll get down and we can talk. And, uh, we ended up talking, you know, I introduced myself and 
he told me who he was and he was like, you know, I, I didn't know anyone else had permission here. And I was like, well, I have permission through Bill. And he's like, well, I have permission through Alan, who's the other brother. And uh, he's like, Alan said, nobody else is supposed to be out here. And I was like, well, Bill said to me that I'm the one <laughs> supposed to be out here. I was like, so I was like, here's the deal. I was like, how about we tell them that they can talk to each other and figure it out yeah. and we can both hunt here. And he's yeah. like, he was like, yeah, that's a good idea. I was like, yeah. also, I'm from Michigan. I'm only going to be here for a couple more days. So, yeah. But, and I haven't, haven't seen him since. Yeah. But, yeah. Oh but. man. It, that, that's, that sucks sometimes, especially when, you know, I've also been on a farm that this one guy, you know, I think I told you the story where I was, uh, walk, I walked out, I pulled into the, uh, into the, the down on the two track parked, you know, hidden crossed a Creek, went up into the, the, the tree stand and all this is on the same property. And then I can hear another truck or another truck pull up, two more trucks pull up. And I see a guy walk field edge over to, uh, over there. So I get out of the stand at dark, walk over. And these two guys pretty much try to strong arm me out of the property. And they're like, dude, we've been hunting here 19 years. No, like there's no room for another person. I'm like, well, what's your name? Because the, the, the landowner died all the rights went over to my buddy's dad who was in charge of it right in charge of the estate and uh he managed it and all this stuff and i said well he mentioned that he didn't mention anybody else out here so i did the same thing man hey if if you should you know you should uh go and you know not you know call him up knock on his door and whatever and he's like nah man uh, i just don't think you should hunt here because i hunt here every single day you know you go find a different place to hunt and at this time I was in my early twenties, I would say, and this guy's in his forties. Uh, so he, I, th- I think he was trying to strong arm me. So at that right. point, at that, it would have been cool if he's just like, oh yeah, cool man, we'll see. And then you share the property. So then, so I call my buddy's dad up, and I'm just like, listen, dude, like I, th- I just got strong armed, and he's like some old wily Vietnam vet. It just like you don't screw with this dude. Like he doesn't care what anybody has to say, like he'll make his decision and he sticks with like, he's a rough dude. And so, um, he's like, well, next time you see him, you tell him to go, go talk to me. I said, Hey man, do you want me to put a note on his tree stand? And I said, uh, I said, yeah, I'll go put a note on his, or he's like, yeah, go put a note on his tree stand. So as I'm walking by his tree stands and I put it in one of those comic book sleeves where, so if it rains, it won't get wet. Right. And I take yeah, it to his yeah. tree stand and out in front of his tree stand, he's got like buckets of corn and apples, shit, you know, illegal. Right. Okay. And, yeah. and so, um, I, so I go back, I write up a new note and it says like, first off, just want to let you know, baiting is illegal in the state of Iowa. Um, so you might want to go, you might want to clean that up. Second, um, the landowner has no recollection of who you are or the person in charge. So um, if you want, you should call him. I left my buddy's dad's number. So this guy calls my buddy's dad and tries to strong arm him over the phone. And, and, and that was a mistake. That guy lost the property faster than a blink. And, uh, and so that guy was probably not happy but you don't try to strong arm a landowner like the guy in charge of the estate right right it's <laughs> like right. well You're going uh, nowhere right so because of that guy being a prick um i was now in or like hunting some prime ground like 480 acres of prime ground all to myself and it was awesome and uh probably that farm right there was one of the one of the farms where i saw a ton of big deer and i just wish i knew now what I knew back then so I could hunt it better. Um, yeah. but, uh, yeah. it was, it was a, it was a really good farm with a lot of big deer, a lot of awesome. Uh, that was like early two thousands, uh, when I was hunting that, but yeah. Um, all right. So we've kind of just bullshitted this episode away. Um, I do have a question for you. I am in a current, I'm currently in a drawing for the state of Wyoming. I've put in my preference points for elk. Did you, try to cash in some preference points for elk this year too, or are you in a drawing or lottery or something? No, I didn't. I, uh, not for Wyoming. I've got points there, but I don't have enough. I don't think I only got like four, I think three or four. Yeah. Um, but I did buy an Idaho tag 
uh, Idaho did some messed up, not messed up. So they changed their whole thing this year. So oh, yeah. Idaho used to be for a non-resident, there's like 15,000 tags and you selected the unit you wanted to hunt and you bought a tag and it was first come first serve. And like last year they sold out in June. I think the year before that they sold out in like August, the year before that they sold out in like September. You used to always be able to buy them right up to the opening of the season, but yep. it's gotten so popular that they're selling out now. So this year they changed it to there's a, an allotted amount per unit. There used to not be an allotted amount per unit. There's All over the counter. Yep. Mm-hmm. Yep. Um, and it's still over the counter, but it's first come first serve. So tags went on sale, I don't know, like December 1st. By the time I logged in and looked for tags for the unit, that I've hunted for three years, they were sold out within like, it was like eight hours. Yeah. And they only gave like 250 tags out for that unit. So, uh, my buddy and I, we bought tags for a unit we've never been to. We've got a buddy that lives in Idaho that's hunted it before and he's going to, you know, help us scout it and, you know, give us like all the waypoints and stuff like that. So that's got a little bit there. And then, um, my fear with that is that I also, I did apply for Montana. That is a, that's a application. Um, I feel like it's like an 80% odds is what they said. Um, but I feel like with what happened with Idaho and then another year of just elk hunting getting more and more popular, I feel like that's going to be worse than 80% to draw. Yeah. So I won't find out till mid April if I get that tag, but, uh, so no matter what, signed up for Idaho could be, I'll probably go to Montana regardless and just, um, at least at a minimum, if I don't draw, I'll probably call for my buddy for four or five days. Um, just cause that's just a lot of fun in itself. Just talking to him yeah. is a lot of fun, but, uh, yeah, we'll see. Yeah. So how are you, what are your, what's your feeling with, uh, where you, you drew in Wyoming? You think you'll get it? Man, you know, if you would have asked me before I talked with the guys from go hunt, I would have said, Oh dude, I'm in like, I got six points. I'm in. And so last year, six would have got me in. So there's obviously across all of the West, there's a little bit of point creep. And, uh, I don't, I think it, I would have needed two years worth of point creep. Well, I talked to a guy, (laughs) I talked to a guy from go hunt. And he was talking to me like, okay, what, what unit are you in? Or are you trying to apply for? And I said, this unit. He's like, okay, pull something up. And he's like, ooh, that's a crazy unit. And I'm like, why? Because the year in 2019, 100% draw odds were for 10 preference points. I applied in 2020. Uh, it was, I think, five, four and a half or five would have got you in. Like, so, so if you, if you applied basically with another person, the average is four and a half, that would have been, so basically five points got you in. I'm applying with six. So he's like, it's a pretty volatile unit. And throughout the years, it fluctuates heavy depending on how many people go. So maybe it was, maybe it was for COVID reasons. So right. I have a gut feeling that I'm not going to draw. That's, that's my gut feeling is that I probably won't draw because nobody like I heard that all you know all that stuff was down last year and then it's going it's gonna like everybody's gonna want to hunt this year if that makes sense so non-residents are gonna be struggling now I I I don't know I I I honestly don't know so I'm, I'm thinking it's gonna take more points than what I have to draw but at least I'll walk away if I don't with another year's worth of preference points but I got the information right. on the unit that I want um I you know the shitty part is I think I'm going to be doing it by myself like I I I've I've I ran into a couple or I met a couple guys and even some of my friends um had some Wyoming preference points but they just couldn't do it this year their schedules just didn't add up so I might be going on one of the hardest Western hunts. Like this is going to be high country, you know, in the mountains type hunts, but I'm going to be doing it by myself. So 
Uh, I don't know. <laughs> I don't know what I'm going to do. There's almost a little part of me that doesn't want to draw and come back with a better game plan next year. But at the same time, I want to take advantage of it while I still can because I'm in pretty good shape right now. And I know that by the time that September comes, um, I'll be in even better shape than I am now. So I don't know, man. I, I honestly, I don't care one way or the other, but I would love to, I'd love to elk hunt. Yeah, I, I hear you. I'm, I'm that way. I love, I love Montana. My buddy's got a spot where we just, we don't see anybody, um, which is kind of rare. Um, but it's one of those things where it's like, yeah, because of having that Idaho tag, I'm kind of like, yeah, if I get it, I get it. If I don't, I don't. Um, I, I mean, obviously I'll be stoked if I get it, but, um, I forgot where I was going with that. Totally I don't know. forgot where I was going with I'll that. I'll tell you this. Oh, I know what I was going to say. If I don't draw Montana and I have time and I'm out there, because I'm still planning on going out there for like, I don't know, probably two or three weeks. Oh, sure. Um, I'll do my best to try and come <laughs> and at least call for you for a couple of days. Let's see. Having a guy with no tag to call for me and help pack out elk. Hmm. That sounds like don't. a pretty... <laughs> <laughs> oh, on top of that, on top of that, I have Wyoming points, so I would like to know. Oh yeah, I'd like to know how that unit go, how that unit does. Oh, so. absolutely. But dude, about elk hunting, I've had more conversations with people, and I've said they're like, "Oh, it's expensive," or "Oh, I can't get a tag." It's like, just don't worry about having a tag. As long as one of you has a tag, yeah. If you can get into a rhythm where one person calls and one person sets up your odds are so much higher than if you flip-flop back and forth. But you just got to find the right person that is selfless and it just wants to go out there for it, just the yeah. experience. Yeah. So That's one thing that I, you know, I've had that recommended to me now uh, multiple times. But uh, one thing that I always have a problem with is knowing that with my time, I could, you know, the odds of killing two elk are pretty low. I think yep. if you, if you just spread it out, right. Two hunters, two elk, yep. it's pretty low. Um, someone, yep. someone might walk away with it. What I, what I always say is, man, I'm 40. I have limited time left to go out and do these, these intense hunts. Um, I want to be hunting. And if I don't draw a tag, I want to go to a different state. Like, you know, this year, um, another thing that I, uh, potentially might do if i don't draw my elk tag is i might go to missouri and hunt whitetails so i don't know nice i'm i'm trying to i'm trying to play this game right and i want to spend as much time out in the woods and give myself uh, the opportunity but you know some maybe sometimes that opportunity comes um when you're sharing that information because you're right i mean the more the more time you put into a, a drainage or a, a unit you, the more information you're going to have and yeah. the better your results are going to be for the next year and the next year and the next year also with what i said like i come from a different mindset because i don't have kids yeah. and sometimes my wife is out there hunting with me and so, sometimes that's the person i'm calling for and i don't have a tag and she does um, and then also, I mean, I get, <laughs> we started the podcast off with talking about making your own schedule. So like, I don't, I'm not, I get five weeks paid. Plus I take another couple unpaid, like guys that only get two weeks of vacation. Oh, yeah. 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 Get your tag and go try to kill one. Yeah. Uh, I, I totally get that. But if you're just, I mean, if you're a younger guy, just get out there. Yeah. The other thing and with all that said, it's still, the other problem is like, Access to elk tags for non-residents is only going to get harder and harder and harder. Yeah. And I mean, look at what they do with Idaho. I mean, that just, yep. that just changed the game for a ton of non-residents that have been hunting the same places. Um, and then if the, so, and like when Idaho gets harder, now it makes a state like Montana harder, or I don't I think what Colorado is over the counter as well. Yep. Right. Yep. Colorado. So yep. I think just keeps making all those places harder to hunt or it, it's going to make some a place like i heard colorado was absolutely packed with elk hunters last year yeah that's what i heard too but i also heard this that the people who are moving into colorado are not hunters so you know when you think about a place like colorado for me and you we think oh man mule deer antelope elk you know like huge populations yep. of elk so that means that it obviously there's still a major popular part of the the 
the resident tags that get used up, but the people who are moving in and taking up that, I guess that space are, are not hunting. So there's, I don't know. I don't know what the what point I'm trying to make here, but that the, the non-residents will basically be tripping over each other. Yeah. Yeah. So, so yes sir well it's 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 worry i'm i'm like worried about yeah. what five years looks like from now yeah like are you looks are like you, a just eight grand uh, elk tag through an outfit i know <laughs> i know it did you see yeah because they tried to pass they oh, tried to yeah. pass a bill in montana that what was it 60 percent of non-resident tags yep. went to outfitters. outfitters yep and it's like okay i get that they're hurting but that's a bit aggressive yeah so um, yeah, I don't know. It's it, it, you, you see stuff like that. I don't think that bill went through, or maybe it hasn't been. Maybe nothing's done with it yet. But uh, yeah, you, see, you just keep seeing stuff like that. Um, it's not good. Well, Bob, good. I got to go meet some kids at the bus stop. So uh, you have a good rest of your day. Thanks for taking time out of your day to hop on, and uh, we'll have to do it in a couple weeks, whether you shoot a turkey or not, or if you want to absolutely BS some more, dude. Absolutely, and good luck to you, man. And there you have it, another episode signed, sealed, and delivered from my mouth and computer through the internet into your ears. Um, so. Thank you for, thanks for listening. Huge shout out to Bob for taking time out of his day. Huge shout out to all of you. And I mean this every time that I say it, dudes and dudettes. Thank you very much for listening. Thank you for communicating with me. Thanks for reaching out. I really appreciate it. Other than that, man, I'm just going to say, follow me on Instagram and Facebook. Make sure you're subscribed to the Sportsman's Nation YouTube channel and subscribe to all of the podcasts on the Sportsman's Nation uh, podcast network, platformy, whatever. Other than that, thank you very much for your time. And we will look out for Friday. Jesus, I'm an idiot. We'll see you next time. Have a good one. Be safe. Love your neighbor. Adios, amigos.